Hello there, I'm Carolyn Elliott. And this is Layla Bernard. And you are listening to the Sleepover podcast. And Layla and I were just having a lot of fun today. Uh, we're just, I'm politically excited, I guess, as I rarely am. Because apparently the uh, trucker convoy protests, as we predicted for the U.S. Pluto return... Um, and and we knew because people were already talking about doing it, but they are indeed happening and they are indeed, you know, on their way or just around the 23rd of February to Washington, D.C., intending to, I guess, basically blockade it, like snake around it and cut it off, uh, which does indeed seem like a very Pluto return in second house in Capricorn. Uh, with the trucks carrying literal physical goods or usually carrying literal physical goods and the trucks themselves being very stable, second house, Capricornian <laughs> material horses, Work yeah. And the grievances, as far as I can tell from um, press releases that I've seen, supposedly from the organizers of this U.S. convoy, do seem to concern um, the various COVID mandates and also the general concern about the seeming absence of constitutional freedoms these days. Like, I don't know where our freedom of assembly went. I don't know where the fuck that went. I've been at rainbow gatherings. I've been at like little peaceful anarchist brunches in the park where people are spreading out blankets and having little sharing, free sharing. I've seen police like all <laughs> all up in these at events that were not protests, that were not anything, but people happily gathering together to share things without money. <laughs> like invaded by the police so anyways freedom of assembly i don't know and of course with all the covid rules about like not uh, getting together in large groups whatever that definitely seems to gone out the window as Layla and i have previously discussed the super creepy censorship um On on the internet which of course you can argue those are private companies and they can do whatever they want and sure i guess and also they're the means by which people come to know information these days. They are the lens. They are the filter. Um, so those are are pretty twisted and not really free speechy at all. And then um, what other constitutional freedoms do we seem to be lacking? Uh, well, those are the main ones that are really bugging me. Well, <laughs> you were talking about there's like a... There's like a st- is there a state of emergency declared or like special powers to the president? You were telling me about this, Carolyn? Yeah. So as far as I understand it, um, Donald Trump, when the COVID thing first started happening, declared a state of emergency. And I think that that time period ran out because I think it's only for a number of months, like six months. And please, I don't know, investigate on this because my understanding is not super complete. And then Biden reinstated the state of emergency, the state of emergency. And apparently this condition, you know, gives the executive a lot of powers to do. And executive includes police. I feel like that's something that most people don't realize is the that executive like, branch includes the, the police. executive branch is the police are part of the executive branch of the government because they are the ones who execute the law. But aren't the police at the like local or state level and not under federal but it's still like the executive branch of governance is like police officers interesting well we could look more into that um and uh yeah so something to research more what exactly the emergency act does but at least we know that it expands executive power sort of disrupts that balance of the branches there and anyways, basic. I mean, uh, and certainly since at least since nine eleven, there's been all sorts of surveillance, as the good Edward Snowden showed us, all kinds of crazy, crazy surveillance on us. So these big tech companies cooperating. I mean, that's I guess how they do it: cooperating with the government to get all of our online information. Yeah, someone recently told me that all the Ring cameras. 
um, that are sold through Amazon or just Ring in general, which I think is like an Amazon or Google company. I don't know the details because that's just how my brain works. That though that that Ring has contracts with all local police departments, so that in the event of a crime going down in your area, they can take footage from the ring camera that was captured during the time of the crime and you don't even necessarily know know that's happening yes i've heard that too which actually i mean that corresponds directly to in orwell's 1984 the camp the tv screens watch you right so that's certainly happening yeah i mean i think i think the thing that's that's occurring to me as you're talking about all this carolyn is that like whether we agree the means by which it's happening or not things do seem to just becoming more and more uh locked down in a certain reality tunnel and the price of questioning the reality tunnel is like the ante is going up the ante is going up and uh you know, this is not the funnest reality tunnel. And for the past, um, I've been hearing many places, again, something, <laughs> no, research more everything that I say, because God damn it, I'm doing my best to know what's going on by trying to read a whole bunch of articles everywhere. But man, is propaganda high and <laughs> information sparse on both sides. But so I, uh, the greatest upper transfer of wealth in history and recorded history has happened in the past two years, you know, due to all of these people like forced to stay at home, their local little mom and pop groceries probably don't have delivery services, whatever, whatever we've been ordering we've all been all... funneled we've all been funneled into the easy techno assisted streams mm-hmm. of oligarchical control and now and we love it we're just like loving suckling on I the mean teeth. it is ra- I do find it very pleasurable That's... to order anything the fuck I want on Amazon and the day later it's presented to me like I'm an empress yes I let's mean... maintain our non-duality there is something very <laughs> beautiful about suckling on the teat of the empire and yet <laughs> and yet so um, and yet, this empire does seem to be systematically draining us of our ability to have an economy in any way not directly connected to it. And, uh, you know, as evidenced to me by when, I don't think I've told the story before, so I'll just go ahead and tell this story completely a little bit. When I was at the Rainbow Gathering in Tennessee in 2012, um, having a wonderful time. The climax of the Rainbow Gathering, which if you're not familiar, it's like people travel from all over to come to these gatherings. And at the gatherings, there's no money used. So people, it's been a tradition since the 1970s. It's like a, a hippie attempt to fulfill a Hopi prophecy about uh, rainbow tribes gathering together. There's people who have these camps and they make it their life's work to... Uh, like build giant clay and stick ovens um, to bake pizza every night for thousands of people and just, you know... To live in the kingdom of heaven. To live in the kingdom of heaven. And truly, it was the most beautifully mind-altering experience that I ever had. When they greet you, there's like... There's like squatter punks in the backs of trucks, like making pancakes and giving you pancakes and water and saying, welcome home, sister, welcome home, brother, to absolutely everybody who shows up, right? And that's how they talk throughout the whole camp. So there's all these different camps, like there's a camp that makes popcorn. There's a camp just for kids. There's a camp, the most... (laughs) The most adorable and pretentious camp called, like, the Green Way, which completely is, like, very ascetic and vegan and yogic, where, like, people stand in line talking about how nuts, you know, eating anything more dense than a nut brings down their consciousness. Anyways, it's adorable. And the, and this, you know, Burning Man is very, like, electric and techno, but the Rainbow Gathering is, like, no electricity, usually in locations with plenty of water, too. Right. <laughs> anyway, so the, the climax of the Rainbow Gathering, um, this joyous, wholesome, hippie traveler event, is uh, a prayer on the 4th of July. Everybody does their best to maintain silence. And 
pray for peace around the world. So there I was, I was like 27, I was standing in this prayer circle around an American flag, praying for, you know, peace in the USA and around the world. And in walk, 30 dudes in jack boots carrying machine guns to patrol the prayer. It felt like a pretty strong violation of my freedom of assembly and my freedom of religion. And, you know, it was very intimidating and very scary. Were these cops or were these, like, military militia dudes? I have no idea who they were. They were not, like, local militia dudes. I mean, they were definitely, I think they were connected somehow to the National Parks Agency or the Fish and Wildlife or something, which I guess Fish and Wildlife is just like the FBI, has very similar... Anyways, so I guess they were there to make sure that we weren't abusing wildlife or selling drugs or something. But... They were fucking terrifying. They were like, really, uh, it was a very yin and yang of like the peace and the war vibes. It was, I don't know, maybe the... You just deep, called it in. Called just, it in. Yeah. But um, those sorts of experiences, including experiences that I had, um, well, my confrontations with police weren't that major at Occupy Pittsburgh, but certainly in the G20 protests that happened in Pittsburgh, you know, the protesting basically a small group of people economically pulling the strings for all of us and giving us the fuzzy end of the lollipop. They brought tanks into my neighborhood. They brought, like, terrifying helicopters circling my university at all hours. They, there were peaceful student protests um, in the lawn of the university. And I remember one night I was, I used to go to this, man, I'm a little bit rambly today, but I used to go to this improv night, this late night improv night. And I wasn't even protesting. I was just like a stuck in the mud graduate student. Anyways, I was walking to this improv comedy night and I guess the protests were on and the cops saw me and one cop told me to cross the street and go home. So I did. I crossed the street and I turned around and I started heading home. And with my back turned, as I was walking away, she threw a fucking can of tear gas at my head. And so the tear gas canister went off and I ran home. I ran like a mile and a half back to my house, terrified. And I wasn't being belligerent. I wasn't even part of the protest. I was just walking down the street. Anyways, these kinds of experiences have really drove home to me that we do, in fact, live in a police state. Yes, we sure do. Um, that we are not a free country. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyways, all of which is to say that the trucker convoy phenomenon in Canada has been interesting to us and... It does indeed seem for the U.S. Pluto return. There's a similar thing happening right now in the USA. Um, I guess in Canada, as far as I've heard, the protests have been disbanded because the prime minister declared martial law and invoked his Emergencies Act and just arrested the lot of them and shut off the bank accounts of the organizers. And now Canada is talking about wanting to permanently maintain this bank account shutting power. Anyways, crazy town stuff. Um, but in Canada, the protests did succeed to the extent of getting mandates lifted a lot of places. Um, in my, the last time we made a podcast talking about this, uh, somebody that I respect a lot, uh, Samantha Kuttner, I hope I'm pronouncing her name somewhat correctly. She runs the Glitter Pill podcast and she has been researching for some time now how it is that, you know, neo-Nazi racist groups uh, operate and get more members like the Proud Boys. And um, anyways, something that came to my attention through her genius was that perhaps there are some unanswered questions about the political motivations or whatever of the people in the trucker convoy. And, you know, there's been reports of um, Nazi flags having been seen and Confederate flags having been seen. And that certainly is sad and disturbing. But I guess just what jumps to my mind when I hear that 
is that, well, yeah, for like, and a few things make that make sense to me, I mean, tragic sense, which is that people motivated to protest uh, in such a way that they're like leaving their livelihoods for at least weeks at a time and they're out in fucking Canada in February. Um, These are people really disenchanted, perhaps really on the fringes. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they've fallen prey to these like pernicious evil ideologies uh, not making excuses, but just saying very likely that these people have been very traumatized in their lives, you know, abusive families, not great schools, and vulnerable to twisted stuff. So what I'm saying is, like, there's a portion of people with really screwy ideologies in any protest in, and especially in any really intense protest, because, because the people who are desperate enough to do that shit, who aren't comfy on their couches with their Netflix and their good jobs and whatever, um, are, are a the bit same damaged. People. Are the same people, <laughs> Some of them, yeah. yeah. Are the same people who are targeted and you know susceptible yes. to that kind of simple answer to difficult questions. Yes, and so I've feel that at every protest that I've been at, I've encountered people um, with, you know, these views that I would consider abhorrent. And there are also people suffering and trying to, I mean, it's obviously it's an intense thing and not condoning any of that. But I'm just saying, my gut feeling is that that is not what the protests are about. Like, my gut feeling is that the protests are genuinely about what they say they're about, which is protecting constitutional, uh, foundational freedoms. Uh, and sadly, that can attract people with, like, very screwy ideas of freedom. <laughs> but... um I saw a press release. I, I'm going to try to link to it in the anchor description. It's not easy because we're editing it on our phones and I'm an elder millennial and not good at that. But um, I've seen press releases from people who say that they're organizers of the U.S. convoy who seemed very sincere that the protests are made up of people of all races and backgrounds, not trying to hate against any of them, and truly just concerned with standing up for what is right and good and true. And maybe I'm a dope, maybe I've got it all wrong, but something about what they're doing just like really resonates with my soul and turns me on and I I feel a brightness in it. Well, I think my guess is that you just love the insurrectionary joy of it on some level. And you are kind of a natural revolutionary, always wanting to like further the evolution of things. And so this kind of like confrontation and uprising just like thrills you in your spirit. Thank you, Layla. I guess it does. I do find it thrilling. And we also have a video I'm going to put in the description a picture of the convoy that's in Montana right now. And it is huge. It looks like a lot of trucks. And it's just like, well, it's really happening. It's There's inspiring. Really, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, we were talking about, you know, Thalema and the accomplishment of the true will. Mm-hmm. And there is just something very moving and magical about a bunch of people putting their money where their mouth is and they're like a livelihood and time and actual will and effort and like manifest capacity into sticking up for what they believe in. And like you say, it's, I do, I also agree that like, no matter how we might like to slice it for, you know, the good of keeping people divided against one another along race lines instead of class lines, like, I agree with you that the the intent of the convoys does not seem to be primarily some kind of like evil racist takeover. It really does seem to be about like we need to have choices. We need to be allowed to like have fr- 
bodily autonomy, like livelihood autonomy. We can't just be like rats in a cage in this economy. That's not right. That something feels wrong about that. And they're like acting on that. And that is very like inspiring and beautiful. And like, Oh, I think to be celebrated because if we all took that kind of responsibility for enacting our will, then if we find something objectionable, we too have the capacity to act against it. You know, I mean, that's... Yes, absolutely. So I guess the main thing to say is, I think Leila and I are just interested to see what happens when they get to D.C. Like, whoa, I mean, hmm. I mean, I, I feel just excited. Yeah, astrologically, here we are as like the Pluto, as the Pluto return of the U.S. happens and uh, what kind of transformation will come down. I mean, I think it's interesting to think about how on like one level, I think part of the fear of these kinds of protests are like, do not make a ruckus. You are only going to make things worse. Mm. You're only going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. And... um that kind of impulse is just very sad. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, it's it's like the coward's uh, wussy pants impulse. And, it's you like, know, it's what happens to you after you've been colonized. Mm-hmm. Like, after you know what awful things can happen to you, mm-hmm. you just start to live a mental game of, like, how to keep awful things from happening. You just live in the cage of, like, not touching the electric fence. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. And we've all been zapped by the fence. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so it's happening. And I had found a Slate article a few days ago um, that I just thought was, like, so amazing and had to be taken a look at because I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I mean, I can stop. I think about a lot of stuff, but like it keeps coming back to my mind because I used to read Slate every day. I was... Back when you were an anarchist punk? Not even, not when I was an anarchist punk. No, after I was, I mean, in my early 30s, just being a good liberal, I also read the New York Times and I read Slate and uh hmm. so um slate you know publishes things in favor of uh you know the use proper use of transgender pronouns and respect for transgender people which is gorgeous and wonderful and so like very you know uh liberally minded things and back in the day at least as i recalled they were excited about things like the g20 the g20 protests and the i mean maybe i was i don't know how long ago i was reading it maybe i'm confusing it with salon also but anyways they uh and certainly i feel like they've run uh articles in favor of like defund the police and things like this uh on the on the brutality of police and on the like yes like overwhelming surveillance state that we live under and the overreach of power and such and such yes so then i saw i i like to read a wide variety of publications from a wide variety of political standpoints to sort of get try to glean some idea of what the fuck is going on so I read this article called The Freedom Convoy Was Never Just a Protest. It's an armed occupation of a G7 capital. It's by Regina Bateson from February 17th, 2022. And it seems that the author lives in Ottawa. And uh, she describes the red zone of downtown occupied Ottawa, which I guess I don't know that it is anymore. I guess the police kick them out. Um, she talks about how the <laughs> the truckers set up a hot tub, kitchen, entertainment, and, um, you know, we're basically having a big party in this zone every night. Then the article goes on to say, um, talking about how the convoy in some ways acts like a militia. There's flag-draped pickups that rove around town, and there's scouts doing surveillance work. 
around the perimeters of the thing. And this says intimidating residents, which I don't know, that's not, she doesn't substantiate that. And then signs and banners demarcate the occupied territory. Some 400 hate incidents have been reported. And among the Canadian flags on hockey sticks, there's Nazi imagery and a kaleidoscope of flags associated with extremist movements, including at time Confederate flags. So this sentence is particularly interesting because there's two links in this sentence, one for the 400 hate incidents and one for the kaleidoscope of flags. And when you click on the 400 hate incidents, it takes you to CBC News, Ottawa. And in this article, you would think that if there were hate incidents, that it would tell you what the hate incidents were. If there were, you know, people being harassed with hateful language, if there were people being beat mm -hmm. up. But it just says that the Ottawa police says there's 126 criminal investigations underway and more than 400 hate incidents have been reported to the hotline, while 25 arrests have been made connected to the protest. So then I just keep reading, keep reading, like, oh, what are the hate incidents? I could not find any description of the hate incidents, and when I searched, maybe my Google foo is not what it used to be, given that Google is no longer what it used to be, I could not find any information about the 400 hate incidents. So perhaps there are grievous, terrible ones, and maybe folks can let me know. That would be interesting to know. Um, and perhaps, uh, I don't know, perhaps it's not, I have no idea what it is, but they're also talking about, um, there's another link to the kaleidoscope of flags that the author was talking about. And it links, again, to an article from CBC News. So CBC is the Canadian Broadcasting Company. It is a state-run news source. It's, it's like, like the BBC. It's like the BBC, and it's like whatever Russia state <laughs> news. Like, okay, so we're, we're linking this up directly to the state's um, own broadcasting network, the state which is being protested. We're right. going to go to their articles as a source of information about the protest. Got it. Okay. So this links to an article talking about the different flags um, on display. And it says, you know, for experts who study extremism in Canada, the symbol on some of these flags are familiar. Here's what some of them mean. It starts with the Gazden flag, which is the don't tread on me snake from the American Revolution. Um, which I guess was also used by the Tea Party and some people find it offensive because I guess it's sort of protesting federal power. So it was being used in a Canadian protest, which is interesting, but I guess Canada and the US have a lot of cultural heritage. Um, yeah, so don't tread on me. That's an extremist flag. I thought it was a flag just connected with the beautiful impulses of the early American Revolution, not to be super taxed by the British, but apparently it's an extremist flag. Um, it's used by libertarians who are also apparently some form of extremist. Okay, going on. So, and the Tea Party. I guess the main thing is this article is considering the Tea Party to be extremists, who I remember were making up a goodly portion of the Occupy protests, and as I recall, what they seemed to want was the same as a lot of what the anarchists wanted, was much less government control. And anyways, going on, the other extremist flags mentioned are a uh, Molan Labe flag. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It seems to be spelled out in Greek. And apparently it's associated with gun rights. So it means um, like... Uh, oh, Milan Labe are Greek for come and take them. Mm. So like, I have my guns, bro. come at me, bro. Uh, so I guess it's also extremists to want the Second Amendment rights, apparently. Okay, so just going on. Um, then there's other flags being shown that are associated with the separatist movement in Quebec. Uh 
again, apparently an extremist movement because to desire sovereign territory for like your language group is uh, just so extreme, so crazy. Yeah, such <laughs> okay. An asshole. Um, patriot. Okay. Um, Canadian flag upside down. Um, flying a nation's flag upside down, it says, is generally meant to convey a distress signal or a sign of extreme danger to life. And federal rules say that the flag should never be taken down, upside down, burned as an effigy, or marked, among other things. Protesters have used the upside down Canadian flag at pandemic related protests since the first months of the lockdown. Hmm, could that be because they felt they were in extreme distress? Right. Hmm, could that be that they felt that their country was being taken over by interests that were not related to their own? Um, again, this article is calling that an extremist sentiment. So um, this particular article published by the CBC does not mention Confederate flags or Nazi flags, which I feel like is strange because it certainly would be in their interest in persuading the public about the grievousness of these protests to show the protests using the Confederate flags or the Nazi flags. So I haven't been able to personally find pictures of this. Perhaps they absolutely are there, but just saying, interesting, interesting. Yeah. These are the extremist flags are like the Tea Party, Don't Tread on Me, the Quebec independence, um, the, the right to bear arms, the right to bear arms, and the upside down distress signal flag. Hmm. Right. I don't know. I am personally unbothered by these. I feel right. like <laughs> these are things. So, anyways, oh, the Slate article. Oh my God, I can't even keep reading it. Basically, after making these what I perceive to be slanderous inflated. and inflated and unsubstantiated claims about the horrible racist extremist nature of this protest or at least not what i consider to be but what her own article could not give actual substantive information to support just linked to the canadian broadcasting network as an authority okay so then um the article proceeds to talk about how the author's brave friends organized a neighborhood counter-protest to protest their sleep being disturbed and themselves being inconvenienced by the trucker protest. And she talks about how they put their bodies on the line to stop the truckers. And I just thought that this was such a strange rhetorical move was to suddenly slip into the language of the romance of protesting and standing up to the powerful in the context of downtown Ottawa residents feeling inconvenienced. And I thought ironic because we have the sleepover podcast, literally their sleep disturbed, their right. sleepful slumber of letting all of their liberties be taken away disturbed. disturbed. <laughs> totally, yes. And, um, you know, and apparently the counter protest succeeded in stopping the truckers for some hours and then they made them take down all of their upside down Canada flags and eventually let them on their way because they needed to get back for Netflix and chill <laughs> and and their sleep, their sleep that they've been missing. Yeah. So I'm not trying to super downplay the. Um, inconvenience to the citizens of Ottawa of this protest. I'm sure it's very disrupting to daily life and very unpleasant to have a bunch of rowdy people that you don't know all up in your neighborhood and who the heck knows what their mental health is and what's going on with them. Um, and I just think that, you know, in the, in the, it's not, I mean, your prime minister brought that upon you with these. Yeah, like, it's hard to have. I mean, you know, I, I can't remember if we were talking about this in a previous episode or whatever, but I often think about, you know, here in the hyper-industrialized Alexa smartphone super virtual reality Western Hemisphere. Like, we are the capital of the Hunger Games Pan Am mm -hmm, global mm -hmm. capitalist plan. Like, 
it's very difficult for me personally to start feeling real sad and sorry for the residents of the Capitol having their sleep disturbed. Oh, yes, absolutely. And then another thing was that it's an occupation of a G7 Capitol. And Slate has previously been in cool, supportive, (laughs) thumbs up mode about the occupation of a G7 city. Yes. And or and I just so I just thought it was so wild that that was the subtitle as if like what I should be most concerned about is the G7. Oh no. The G7 is being threatened, is being occupied. You mean the incredibly rich leaders who own everything are being bothered with a confrontation? <laughs> Right, I know. Yeah. Oh, uh, let me let's protect them. Let's all rally around. There are the greatest gods. friends. <laughs> they provide us with all of our crime delivery day stuff, Caroline. And I mean, so like one thing that the author did get right is like, yeah, and I think it is not just a protester. I guess it was not. I guess it's been essentially taken down in Canada. But um, there is, I do agree. There's an insurrectionary element in it that's just like we're not taking this anymore and that the the author makes the point that the trucks you know are like weapons certainly you can kill people running them over with a big rig and um and somewhat like tanks and you know absolutely that's the truth an occupying force for sure people can sleep in them people can live from them they're like little mobile yeah fortresses yeah, so I just felt that this article had to be discussed because um, this kind of writing, like I know, is being read by people similar to myself, people, you know, whatever, getting doctorates in English departments, people uh, who were... Who care deeply about the plight of the world. Who care deeply about the plight of the world, who really want people of all genders to be respected and people of all races to be respected who want to see a government that effectively helps people uh, with health care and everything. And so it's just like I'm thinking of like my previous colleagues in the English department who I know read this kind of stuff and are still like really pleased to be reading just that and... and <laughs> And just thinking, like, I ho- I sure hope their rhetorical education is clicking in their brains to the, like, the exact amount of fuckery that, like, this is not recognizable to the liberalism of my teens or 20s. This is not, um, or leftism, I should at least say. I mean, I hung out with people who were... I mean, there were people in my English department who were super into Marxist ideas. They, like, were not excited by the oppression of worker-driven protests. Like, this is literally a protest of working people, or an insurrection, whatever we want to call it, um, wanting more... Rights for themselves. Wanting more rights for themselves. So, like, leftism back in the day seemed to be about that. Like, and... uh, and apparently it really, really, really no longer is. Yeah. Well, only certain cool worker class people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, it just continues to sort of like dazzle me. I mean, maybe I was, I don't know what, I guess another, I mean, I just think about this a lot, I guess. my reco- Thank you for listening to my recovering liberal story. I feel like I'm like a Mormon who like, got out (laughs) like um you know I used to watch the Colbert show like every day and I so badly wanted Trump to be convicted on you know collusion with Russia because I just wanted his gross orange face and his rapery (laughs) vibes like out of my field of consciousness And um, so I was really with Steve Colbert, who was just like gleefully reporting all the time about revelations in the Mueller case. And then the the Mueller papers actually came out and they found nothing. The independent investigator found nothing. And then it's recently been announced 
this is, and I don't know why this isn't more of a big deal. This is exactly the same as Watergate that uh, the Clintons, and I guess apparently Biden, from what I've heard, funded spying on Trump. And the and one of the ways that they did this was uh, a, a lawyer who worked for the Clintons went to the FBI saying, I have dirt on Trump colluding with the Russians. I don't work for anybody. I'm just a concerned citizen. Lie, so lied about his connections with the Clintons to the FBI, got the FBI started in on their hunt around Trump, and yeah, has just admitted that he lied and he worked for the Clintons and he was paid by the Clintons. And I'm just like, what? why does nobody, I mean, I know why nobody gives a fuck because everything is so overwhelming and weird now. Uh, but this is a big deal. This is, <laughs> so anyways, it, it's just kind of astounding for me that like actually all of this story that I was so desperately wanted to be true about nasty Trump colluded with the Russians. And I was so disappointed when the Mueller report found nothing. And I was disappointed right along with Stephen Colbert. Um, it is just kind of mind blowing for me to realize that like all of that story was fabricated by the Clintons, that uh, no evidence has been found to say that that happened, that they were spying on Trump and they were slandering him in this way that dominated the mainstream media and the late night comedy shows and, uh, you know, throttled the attention of good liberals like me who wanted the dirty bad man gone. And uh, just like how in-depth that was and how purely, what a purely self-interested play by the Clintons that was. Yeah. And um, hmm. I mean, it, it just keeps, keeps getting like more and more intense. It's like my foundational beliefs are still the same. I still want all people to be respected. I want a world where resources are shared and corporations aren't people with the rights of people. I want a world... Um, you know, where there's like local sovereignty and there's not like people with jackboots and machine guns coming in when you're praying for peace in a big circle. I want a world where you can trade clothes and an anarchist picnic without money. I mean, think about that. Like that's got me, I mean, for a long time, still now, that got me thinking so much about money and the money system and the way that like, because I was, those experiences taught me that they are threatened by people engaging without the use of money, with just the generosity in their hearts or their trading or whatever, not allowed. Not fucking cool. The money must change hands. The money must be taxed. The only currency of the land is the currency that we control. Since we control the currency, we can shut you out of our system at any time. And if you try to live on the fringes of this system, as many of the rainbow travelers do, and as many of the anarchists I was hanging out with do, you try to live on the fringes, just exchange, just because we have a super bounteous society and everybody has way more clothes than they use and everybody, lots of people have food in their pantry that they can share. If you try to simply live on the generosity of the good humans around you who like your free spirit and are willing to, you know, give you whatever, we will come and break it up or intimidate you with guns. <laughs> I mean, it's like that was that's so mind blowing to me that that is considered a really intense form of protest by these forces that are so scared of sharing. Yeah. I mean, I'm so sorry when I think about what kind of kindergarten they went to, you know, like. <laughs> it's a really weird kindergarten that we all live in right now. That's for sure. It's a really weird kindergarten. Yeah. So anyways, all of which is to say, this is why my sympathies are... I think what's upsetting you about the Slate article, Carolyn, is that you have read the same kind of authors 
talk about the bravery of people who challenge the global world gang now writing articles being like how dare they how dare they disrupt the gang territory of the <laughs> worldwide gang how dare they and it, and that dissonance is upsetting yes like there's definitely some kind of like sour grapes or like some kind of like judgment in the fact that like oh because it could it, it anyway it has to do with some like ideas about nonviolence it has to do i'm sure that like the 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 sentiment is around like well these aren't just people walking around these are people mm-hmm. in trucks that could be deadly weapons but like a truck is isn't a tank a truck isn't a like you know military occupation it's not and the gang that these trucks are threatening absolutely use tanks and bombs and fucking aircraft carrier warships to enforce their reality tunnel on everyone and suddenly they're the fucking poor weak sad victims of this like evil scary truck convoy like that doesn't that's not it doesn't compute it doesn't compute it's like so like obviously messed up so thank you Layla thank you for hearing my liberal recovery pain um well it just really highlights how you know this it really highlights the ways in which our brains have like the public discourse is so simplified and polarized and it's like guys in trucks bad guys in trucks racist guys in trucks stupid you know like that's just you can just say that and people will just be like oh yeah well yeah that that must be they must just be senselessly doing this stupid random act of utter violence and like that because it fits in the reality tunnel of of that very simplified reality but that's not it's just not true it's just not what's happening it's not what's going on and it's like true it's mean mean spirited yeah and i just to maybe to conclude on a spiritual note i feel like um a lot of what has been able to like let me perceive things the way that i do um has been the study of hermeticism which can be a pretty brainy pursuit it's not like folk magic or anything it's like all right here's these giant books on hellenic astrology here's this pile of books on the tarot here's this pile of books on the kabbalah here's this pile of books on ceremonial magic and alchemy figure it out put it all together together. and when you put it all together what you realize is okay the kabbalah is a mandala the thema mundi of hellenic astrology is a mandala the tarot deck is a mandala they are mandalas that were overlaid on each other in a pretty genius way by Eliphas Levy um, that was later evolved by the Golden Dawn and Crowley. And they're mandalas that if you sit and contemplate them in a sort of yana yoga sort of way, nana, I don't know how to pronounce Sanskrit, um, gnosis, intellectual gnosis, yoga kind of way, your linear brain melts quite psychedelically uh, but it's a lasting psychedelic melt because you really start to see how deeply the opposites are in relationship with each other and how alchemy and evolution happens through the unification of opposites the solve and the coagula the formation of the new which you know also the observation of nature everything points to that and it starts to be when you apply that to the field of like human thought, you know, you start to see how um, every thesis has its antithesis and resolves in a new synthesis. And it just becomes it's sort of like a wonderful inoculation, a wonderful vaccine <laughs> against uh, these very uh, unbalanced takes on what's going on uh that are verbally done. And I've also find it so interesting in connection with this, you know, like Plato in 
I forget which dialogue it was, I think the Phaedrus. In the Phaedrus, uh, Socrates's, Plato's Socrates, refers to the written word as a pharmacon, which can be, uh, which, is, which means medicine in Greek, and so it can heal you or it can hurt you. It's a drug. And in the text, uh, Socrates is concerned that, you know, the written word just doesn't carry the ethos of an actual person, doesn't carry the same immediacy as written speech, and that the sophists are abusing the written word to persuade people of things that aren't true. And philosophy, of course, is the love of truth, the love of wisdom. And uh, I've just always carried that really deep within my heart. And now more than ever, it seems to me that people are fucking tripping on, on the, the written farm. word and not the good shit. Like the good shit is like real poetry, real mantra, real incantation and praises of beauty. <laughs> and that's not what people are tripping on. They, I mean, that'll, that, that opens your mind and heart in a beautiful way and takes you to a heavenly place. I highly endorse the contemplation of poetry and ritual, but prayer People are tripping on the most twisted, like, weirdo arguments. Well, it's so interesting. Like, we started out talking before we got on the podcast about Gurdjieff's criticism of the modern obsession with the literary form of journalism. Mm -hmm. And how, like, journalism is as much a kind of literature as poetry is, as fiction is, as anything is. Like, it's literature it's something that people write it's a pharmacon and the most dangerous thing about it is that people like one of the you know uh rules of journalism is that you have to pretend that what you're writing is reality mm -hmm. so every time you read a journalistic thing you are like reading it through a lens where you believe that it's true on some level it's like purporting to be factual, but therefore it's like persuasive, literary, world creating, whatever is like all the more powerful. Because like when you read a fiction, you're reading it through the lens of like, well, it's a fiction. So like it's not, mm -hmm. it's not happening. So its effects are different on you. The pharmacon, the medicine's effects are different because it's got this buffer on it of like, this is fiction. But the literary form and the medicine of journalism has no fucking buffer on it because it's part of its shtick is to purport that it's true. Right. But exactly. it's absolutely not because it's all filtered through whatever the fuck the person who's writing it, the author wants to put across as a story because it's literature. Absolutely. It's and lately as I've been like studying hypnosis, it's really become apparent to me how very susceptible the human mind is to hypnosis through language. And I do feel like there is just like a hypnotism that people get into. And so all I would say is, you know, spend some more time reading beautiful thoughts, thinking beautiful thoughts, contemplating mandalas and images of the whole in various ways everybody you know to whatever extent you can like uh let's cleanse ourselves of these really contracted unbalances yeah get in touch with deeper stories deeper stories more beautiful stories yeah, yeah. well thank you for listening everybody uh if you like what you're listening to please do leave us a rating or um some reviews tell your friends uh we'll tune in with you again soon bye bye